You're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants. Giants fans, for the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 66% British, 33% Irish, but as always, 100% Giants. Uh, no Dan this week due to work commitments. However, I do have both Kev and Shane joining me to chat about the Panthers game. Boys, how are we doing? Yeah, all good. Uh, it's good to be back on an episode again. It kind of feels like it's doing episode, miss one and alternating like that. So, yeah, you know, it's... Um, it's good being back on you guys. Shane and can't be here. I'm sure he's going to be watching and uh, making plenty of comments though uh, throughout the night. Yeah, I mean, it's good to be back on talking about a Giants win. We had a few more of them last year to talk about. I know it's only pre-season, but still, you know, there's a lot to take away from the game and I'm looking forward to sort of getting into it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, before we sort of get into the, the meat and drink of this, uh, if you're watching this live on YouTube or Facebook, pop any questions in the comments. Uh, we love hearing from you guys and, and you always have some really insightful things for us to kind of ponder. Uh, if Subscribe if you haven't already and this is your first time watching us and give this a thumbs up. Um, and we're going to just start things a little bit um, differently uh, this week. As you may have noticed by uh, the logo uh, on the screen uh, for us, as Kev is nicely pointing out, my glamorous assistant, um, we are now partners with Andy's Man Club. Uh, for those who don't know what they do, Andy's Man Club are a male, uh, male suicide prevention charity offering free talking groups for men across the UK every Monday at 7pm, excluding bank holidays. Suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 54 in the UK, and the mission of Andy's Man Club is to eliminate the stigma surrounding men's mental health in the hope that more men can open up. You can find your nearest session by heading to www.andysmanclub.co.uk, and on behalf of all of Big Blue UK and Ireland, uh, we are honoured to uh, have these guys as partners. Um, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, it's something that's quite close to our heart, and um, yeah, just the fact that they were willing to to give us all of their, their brand pack and everything and just have us spread their messages is really nice. Um, another piece of kind of serious news to, to get into before we sort of get, get going. Um, there was some news that broke today from East Rutherford that tight end Tommy Sweeney um, was working on a rehab side field and suffered a medical event. Immediately, medical staff ran over to him. Uh, Sweeney was then carted off, uh, though it was said that he was sat up and, and had his shirt off. Uh, the Giants have since said that he is under the care of medical professionals in the Giants athletic training room. Uh, they've confirmed that he's stable, he's alert, he's conversating with all the doctors that are there. Um, but we just wanted to send Tommy the message that we hope he's OK and we look forward to seeing him on the field as soon as he's safe. You know, you don't want to see this across the uh across any team, let alone your own, and especially somebody who's who's already made a splash in pre-season. Uh, anything to add before we get into the into it, boys, there? Okay. Just, echo, just echo what you said, obviously, uh, whether it's a, a New York Giant player, 
few more is player whoever it is you know you want to see all players fit healthy um, and obviously football kind of comes in there too really stuff and then obviously just with the Andy's man club as well um you know it's great to be part of it with them um and like just clarify in case anyone's thinking that this tends to happen we thought there's no sponsorship involved in terms of money we're not getting anything on behalf of doing this we're doing this because we want to um, so if anyone's listening to this thinking you know, oh if they do need to get money absolutely nothing like that um, it's you know all very genuine all very sincere yeah, just to echo what both of you said. I mean, so glad that we've got this partnership up and running now. And it's something, like you said, um, it's very close to our hearts. It means a lot to us. And just want to sort of get their message out there. And also the Tommy Sweeney, you know, no one likes to see these type of things happen in football, especially on the pitch. Um, you, you hear some awful things, um, some outcomes, sorry. And i um, just glad that he, you know, seemed to be responsive and seemed to be sort of okay as he was going off. And we just uh, send our prayers and wish him well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so let, let's let's move on to the Panthers game. Let's talk Giants football. Second game of the season, uh, a twenty-one to nineteen win for the Giants, which is always nice. We we like winning football. Winning breeds winning. So, um, you know, the game was won pretty much by halftime. A nine-yard run by rookie Eric Gray made it twenty-one to three. The Panthers did score three straight times in the second half to touchdowns and a field goal uh, that allowed them to bring themselves within two points. However, four incomplete passes in a row on their final possession allowed the Giants to ice the game. Um, looking into the game itself, Kevin, looking at Giants players, uh, what, what was the good, what, what good things did they do? Well, yeah, I mean, like, like a lot of uh, pre-season and camp and stuff, there's so many positives to take. I mean, like you said, the game was 21 points up by halftime. It kind of like showed that our starters and likely 53 squad members, you know, were on the field for those uh, for that first half. Um, I mean, we, ha- we can't talk, can't go anywhere without talking about the first drive. You know, the starters came on for that first drive. You know, um, Jones, Jones had a strong show in. You know, he completed eight of nine passes for 96 yards, you know, and a touchdown. Um, I mean, the only miss was a uh, was a uh, Von Bell absolutely like smashed into Darren Waller. He had the ball, perfectly thrown ball. He had it in his hands, and just a really good play, a big hit, dislodged the ball out to make it in- in- incomplete. So um, just really good to see sort of like the passing game working. Obviously, with Jones being out there, it was such a good first drive. You know, that's all you need to see. You know, they were never going to run it on that first drive because you're, they're not playing Saquon Barkley. And when you have Jones in, you want to see Jones throw the ball. You know, he's not going to run the ball. Um, you want to see him. You know, he picked up first downs with his legs. You know, he made really good passes, really good reads. So it's really, really good to see. You know, you've been hearing such good things about him in preseason and uh, training camp. You know, just seeing it in um, in the in the game was absolutely fantastic. Um, and in talking about his uh, his target targets, you know, Waller. Waller was, you know, a reliable target. He was his go-to man. You know, he targeted him four times. He had three receptions for 30 yards, getting critical first downs. Um, just the connection with them, you can see. You can see the, they've really built up really good chemistry. So I'm just so excited to see that going into the season. Um, and also Bellinger. I mean, everyone's talking about Waller. You know, Waller is the star and stuff. You know, he's the one who's got all the ability. But Daniel Bellinger had a really good rookie season. We've talked about it many times on this podcast. He's had a fantastic rookie season. You know, just, you know, had a little bit of an injury that hampered a, a little bit, um, missing some games. But, you know, he was there for that touchdown. You know, with Waller being as the decoy, everyone's worried about Waller in the red zone. And you could see that on the um, on the play. And it was a really good design play, you know, fake handoff, uh, Daniel Bellinger went blocking in for the fake handoff, then released off into the flat, and Jones 
split his hips really, really quick and just dented it over the defender to, to Daniel Bellinger just to score the easy touchdown. Um, he's going to be a very, very important part of this offense, especially, like I said, with Waller being such a focal point and people watching him, you know, just see, we will see more of these two tight end sets, definitely. Um, and just uh, some other players that he sort of stood out to us was the running backs, you know, Gray and Corbin. I thought they performed really well, you know, nothing exciting, not breaking off massive sort of runs or anything like that, but just coming in and kind of doing their job really well. You know, Gray was showing some real toughness and speed at, at times. I mean, he got that um, that touchdown, you know, the sort of like sent this to 21 just before halftime. That showed great kind of vision, picking the hole and then being able to finish as well, you know, really sort of like, you know, pushing to get across that line, you know, went up to replay. He had to wait to be able to celebrate properly. But, yeah, you know, he was able to celebrate a touchdown. I want to see more of that from him. I mean, Corbin's playing his way into the squad. I mean, he's really making that sort of uh, like push for a 53 because he's kind of come in and he's done nothing wrong. Again, he hasn't he hasn't shown and been, like, spectacular, but he's done his job. And, you know, there's so much to be said for that. Um, you know, one negative was, you know, the, the, um, the blitz pickup from Gray. He needs to work on that. But apart from that, Gray was solid as well. Um and our boy Hyatt, you know, we all loved him. You know, might not have loved him at 25, but, you know, we went up in the third round to go and get him. And Hyatt has just been progressing, progressing. And then as soon as he's got his 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 um, his uh, looks for the first team in training camp, you've seen it. You've seen him absolutely destroy people. Get open, get down the field, you know, make uh, make touchdown grabs, you know, like absolutely just run past people. And um, it was so good to see, you know, he had a open pass, came straight to him in his hands kind of looked like a concentration drop it kind of looked like he was ready to go upfield and you didn't secure the ball and he had a drop now i love the fact that babel and kafka went do you know what next play let's make a play for him so what they do they did a little play action again ball up in the air uh hyatt motions in from outside and then he's matched up on a safety he goes up the same shows to be going to post and then goes to corner Safety can't flip his hips and he is gone. And I mean, he kind of like ran at normal speed towards the safety. But as he'd done the move, he accelerated out of it and just blew past him. I mean, um, and uh, Tyrod Taylor, got to give him massive credit because he got absolutely smashed as he threw the ball. Um, again, it was a bad blitz pickup from, uh, from Gray. But fair play to Tyrod Taylor. He stood there knowing he's going to get smashed. He still sent that ball. And Hyatt is pretty much standing in the end zone ready to catch that ball. It's just really good to see. Like, And that will do his confidence so, so much good. And again, talking about Taylor, I thought he had a bit of a bounce, uh, bounce back game. You know, he didn't play too well in the first half. We kind of said Tommy DeVito outplayed him. But I kind of like, you know, the, the, the class came through this time in the sense that, you know, he's not a starting caliber uh, quarterback in this league. But he's a very, very high-end backup. You can see, like, you know, his scrambling ability. I mean, he was the pass wasn't there. He didn't force it. He was able to scramble and get those first downs with his legs without taking hits. Um, and I mean, that's, that's going to be valuable because you know, God forbid, you know, there might be a couple of uh, games or series where he has to come in and just keep the keep the momentum going and the offensive moving. Um, and yeah, so just seeing him be able to come out, manage the offense, be able to pick up the first downs, throw touchdown passes. So that was also some really really good. Um, really good things to be able to, to to come from the game and i just wonder right with daniel jones doing everything that we wanted him to do went out there showed poise composure um he pulled him after this after the first first series didn't need to see him again he had one series and away he went 
did everything we wanted him to do. Um, has he done enough now? I mean, do, is there any reason to risk him against the Jets, do you think? I'll go to Yushin first. Do you think, like, we should risk him now, just wrap him in cotton wool, get him the training camp reps, and on we go to Dallas? Yeah, I mean, I don't really see what you're going to gain from letting him play against the Jets. Um, I know, obviously, there's a lot of talk and chatter, because obviously, you know what, we don't really give a damn about it. Aaron Rodgers are more concerned about what our players are going to do. Um and, you know, he, he, he played exactly what you wanted to see. I mean, I've heard different things saying that the plan was for him to maybe have a couple of series. Like if the first series was maybe a three and out or was a little bit stop-start kind of thing, they were going to play him again. But Dave was happy with kind of what he's seen from Jones. And apparently he pulled Jones out and said, now nah, you're done for the night. And, and Daniel was like, I thought I was going to have a couple of series. But, you know, if, if it's good enough for the coach, it should be good enough for ourselves as well. Um, so, you know, the main thing you want to do is just see players staying fit, staying healthy and taking that momentum from that game into week one for Dallas. So, Craig, what do you think? Do you think Daniel Jones or any other starters should play against the Jets? You're on mute. I am. I am. Very well done. Well spotted. Um, <laughs> I, I think from a defensive point of view, uh, maybe if, if Rogers is out there, I can see the benefit, especially for the rookies to go up against him. So maybe not a Dory, but Hawkins and Banks for sure. Uh, you know, X and Pinnock, I can't see any value for them. Maybe put Owens back there with McCain and, and see see how those two, those two fare. But, uh, you know, offensively, you know, Barkley's never going to, He's, Barkley's never going to play any of this preseason, so he's not going to be in there. And I'm quite happy to just let Wallace sit as well. Just, I, I think there are still players that will potentially be starters for this through the season, like Paris Campbell and uh, and Hodgins. They should play, but Jones, no, 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 no. We don't want to give too much away. Very true. Nice and vanilla night going into the this last preseason game. <laughs> vanilla Vic, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, good stuff, lads. So we're going to move on to defense now. And some of the stuff, like, again, um, we're not the finished article on defense. We know this. But just some of the things that stood out for me were, um, I mean, one area of need, a need, needed improvement from last season was 100% the run defense. You know, it was one t one thing that we just got run over. And too many times teams were second and short on us. You know, we need to, st we need to stop that. So we went out and picked up Bobby O'Karake, um, you know, and in this game, you know, it was good to see him out there as a starter. You know, he was the highest graded defensive player. He recorded seven tackles and he just made some key stops. And again, this player comes in. He won't be a Bobby Wagner. I mean, he won't be sort of this sort of like top, top echelon of linebackers. But he's exactly what we need and what we've been missing for so, so many years. And, you know, he's just as advertised. And I'm so, so pleased that he's going to come in. Now, and he was given the green dot as well, which was a, a thing where, you know, McKinney had it last season because, you know, that's who Wink wanted to trust on the on the, on the the defence. But this year he's gone for, well, so far, he's, it looks like he's gone for more traditional, you know, Mike Linebacker, sort of like QB of the defence and giving it to Bobby. So I just think, you know, again, he's coming in and he's just ticking all the boxes that need to be ticked to show that he's going to be an outstanding player for us in this coming season. You know, and it was nice to see Thibodeau as well. You know, he had a, sh a solid show in. You know, he had his one sack, quarterback hit, you know, a tackle for loss. Um, I think he's one of those players, you know, he's not going to be outstanding. You know, he's not going to be um, flashy in preseason. 
but I think he's a big game player. I think when the season comes around, I think you know he's got himself right, and he'll he'll hit um, peak coming into the season, and you will see more sacks from him, more pressures, and just more bend around the edge to be able to get after the QB. Um, and a few other players that stood out was um, you know Fox. Riley performed really well. You know, Fox, you know, he got two pressures. You know, Riley made three big tackles. Uh, you know, Riley's a seventh-round pick. And, um, you know, we've said so many times now that, you know, he just seems to be playing his way onto this 53-man roster. And you see someone like DJ Davidson last year, who also was a late-round pick, um, that came in a big run-stuffing defensive tackle. Well, Riley has completely outdone anything he did um, in, the, in the preseason last year. So, you know, he's come in and he think he is um and he thinks he will be um I think he will be on the fifty three man roster and um it's just really good to see some of these late round picks playing well, showing why they were chosen. And 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 as um Joe Sheehan and Brian Dable have shown, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter how you got here, you will play in this team, as we've seen from Hawkins. You know, you know, Trey Hawkins has come in as a sixth round pick. Everyone thought, is he going to make this roster? But he's come in, he's played very, very well, and he's basically a near enough starter, or like he's like a, a 1B uh, starter, you know, with the Dory moving into the slot a lot. He's the like near enough the outside um, the outside quarterback. So, yeah, it's just some um, just really good to see some of these guys taking their opportunities. Um, and just quickly on special teams before we move on, um, you know, Graham Mickens had really good, um, showed, showed well in this, you know, with, punt returns, kick returns, you know, Gray has showed, um, one thing I like with, you know, he showed intelligence by, the, you know, recognising, you know, the kickoff. He actually, you know, he could have come out and got it on the th three-yard line, but he actually let it bounce, you know, let it go out of play and picked up a penalty and from the kickoff, you know, and the Giants, were, instead of starting on their 20, 25, they were starting on the 40-yard line. So, you know, just, just good intelligence from him, you know, and he's catching everything as well, you know. The ball's up in the air. It's coming down in that wind, you know, in that, you know, uh, MetLife sort of a swirling wind sometimes. And he's just catching everything, you know. And he hasn't excelled uh, as a running back yet, but I think he'll get his opportunity being the returner and then he'll be able to show what he can do in the run game from from, from that position. So, um, yeah, just, you know, I just want to mention some other players as well. Um, I thought Dane Belton has been very, very sneakily very, very good. And you can see that he is the third safety. When we go three safety sets, he's the third safety coming in. So he's like a pseudo starter. Um, ben Bredesen is just, you see the size of him next to next to John Michael Schmitz. Like, he is an absolute beast. He's a mountain of a man. And he is, in my opinion, you know, the best interior lineman we've got. And I think, you know, he will start at left guard um, coming up the season. You know, I did mention Trey Hawkins as well. He's had an outstanding camp. He's just preseason as well he's pretty much been locked down i mean paris campbell got his catch on that opening drive uh he shows shiftiness he shows quickness he shows like he run good routes again you know he's one of one of my favorites we've talked about him before um and then just to mention javarius owens now i didn't know this until today but when he was drafted his older brother who he sort of sees as a father figure was actually shot that night the same night eight hours later and he had to like go from the highs of being drafted in the NFL by the Giants, you know, suffering something like your brother be, you know, passing away that evening, and then a couple of days later being shipped over to New York to go to minicamp and stuff. And I mean, and you know, it's just unbelievable the ball he's playing because he's showing out. He is playing. I think he's had the most snaps in preseason out of any player. 
So he's been given a real show, a real, um, you know, run in the team. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to shout out to him because I think he's played really, really well. And to, to play this well in this situation, I just think it's like, like fantastic to be fair. But so my question to you boys is, I talked about him in length, Jordan Riley. Um, they, the background staff love him. You know, they really, I think, was it Brandon Brown was talking the other day, talking about, you know, he wasn't a very good college player. He said he wasn't productive in college, but they saw something in him to be able to like, that they could mold and be able to do some, something with. Now, do you think, you know, with the coach he's had and the natural abilities he's got, do you think he will end up on the 53-man roster? What do you think, Greg? I think I think it's a higher probability than any of us thought it would be at this point. I mean, the first few games, he's been absolutely lights out. Um, I don't know what PFF are watching because his ratings on there are absolutely laughable. Um, they must be watching something completely different to what we're seeing because we're seeing, a, as you've already said, a green prospect. Like, he is as green as grass, pretty much. But he, he must be a sponge. And let's be honest, when you're in a room and you've got Dex, you've got Big Cat, you've got Aishaw Robinson, who's Super Bowl winner, and you've got Nacho, all veterans, like big veterans of the game as well. You know, they've a few of them have played in Super Bowl. Dex and, and Big Cat have played in, in playoff games now with us. If you're a sponge with those four, there is no way that you come out of that not at least picking up a few little tips and tricks to be able to make it through. I mean, don't get me wrong. DJ Davidson is the other man in that room and, and he's been, he's been okay, but he's obviously coming off of an injury. I do think Riley has put his position at jeopardy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like just, he had a massive fourth and one run stop the other day. I mean, it was just fantastic to see, you know, he got, got a big bear mitts on the, on the guard and threw moves into one side and took out the running back. Um, but she and, just you, do you, you know, first of all, do you think you'll make the 53-man roster? And what does this say about our scouting, being able to go out and find someone who isn't necessarily productive in college, but our scouts have seen something in him to be able to bring him in and looks like he could make a 53-man roster? Yeah, I think it's no question. He makes the, the roster in all honesty. I mean, our, our fans seem to make the roster um, like kind of before the season started because I just think that DJ Davidson's probably going to start the season on, on Pop or IR. So there's going to be that position available. Um, you know, I mean, they'll get big cats contracts up in, in 12 months' time. If, if Jordan Riley can come in and sort of play in a way that says, look, you don't need to worry about big cat. You can let him go. I'm ready to step up to the plate. You know, get me in a rotation. Why not? At the end of the day, he's got to have that belief in himself because, you know, we've shown that we've got the belief in him. And I think kind of what you mentioned about Brandon Brown the other day, some of his comments that he meant not just on about Jordan Riley, but even on about Jalen Hyatt. Um, you know, he kind of shows a level of maturity and advancement in our front office that we we haven't seen, especially in my time as a Giants fan. Like, you know, let's let's face facts on, I don't want to keep mentioning his name, but like obviously Dave Gettleman was kind of very old school. You know, I mean, one, one of the first things that come that the, the new regime did last year or this year was they updated the draft board to be all technology technology instead of just on a whiteboard. Um, so, you know, it, it's good that it's not just like kind of that level they're showing, but they're really looking into the player and it might be a case of, you know what, maybe not being productive, but we've got faith and trust in our coaches to get the best out of that player and we could put that player on the field that he's going to produce and that's what Jordan riley has been doing in pre-season. Well, that's... Um... 
that's all the good things. I suppose it's only fair that we talk about the bad things and shame them. Unfortunately, you were talking about your favourite people as well. I, I swear, like if I've been set up here, like you know, I'm I'm usually a little bit negative at the best of times. So now I've got to cover the bad bit, and then just to add a little bit of icing onto that cake that I can eat tonight, I've got to talk about the bloody offensive line. Um, so yeah, we'll get into it and. Yeah, that was a question that we had from uh, Javi ATX. What are your thoughts on the O-line? Oh, boy. Javi, I hope you're comfortable. I'm going to get settled into this. <laughs> um, this could be a while. <laughs> yeah, so last week, obviously, we touched on how the um, <clears throat> excuse me, the backup tackles behind Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal were pretty lacklustre. And, you know, that was the case again, Friday night against the, the Panthers. Matt Pert was lining up at left tackle, was inconsistent at best. Um, he allowed one hurry, committed two penalties, uh, which cost players of 14 yards and 17 yards. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, whilst also being saved from a poor rep by a rough, rough in the passicle. Um, as for the rest of the, the offensive line, the backup there, obviously, Azudo had a bit of a rough day um, with Panthers defenders constantly pushing him into the backfield. Corey Cunningham, Wyatt Davis, they struggled as well. They gave up a combined 10 pressures. Four of them were sacks. Davis also gave up two penalties. And, you know, it, it's this issue of not so much as the starting O-line, it's the depth for the O-line. And one of the concerns for me is, um, you know, this was a Panthers team that didn't play Ryan Burns, that didn't play Derek Brown, you know, two, two of their standout defenders. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd love to have seen JMS go up against a player like Derek Brown because he's been going up against Dexter Lawrence. Um, and obviously, it's still competitive, but there's also a slight difference when it's your teammate, although you're competitive and that, you know. But going up against another team's main defensive tackle, I'd love to have seen that. So it was disappointing that kind of, you know, JMS couldn't go up against him and maybe Brian Burns didn't get the chance to go up against uh, Evan Neal. Um Another player who could potentially be on the bubble that, that's kind of struggled recently as well is uh, Lawrence Cage at the tight end. He's got a lot of potential in the passing game. We've seen it at times last year. You know, he made some really nice plays in the passing game last season. And I, I was quite impressed with him at times, to be honest, when he was called upon. But his pass blocking, he's starting to struggle a little bit um, and would have given up a snap if it was not for uh, a sky party's Tommy DeVito, who turned a nine-yard sack into a nine-yard scramble. Uh, so he kind of got a little bit lucky there. But obviously, we've mentioned sort of the, the starting old line there and then mentioned the likes of Cunningham, Davis, uh, Matt Pert. What exactly are the Giants going to do if any of our starting offensive linemen are going to do, Kev? Well, I think I think uh, one thing I love about Bredesen is he can play all three centres, uh, interior spots. So if, you know, Dromico Smith goes down, Bredesen plugs in. If Glowinski goes down, Bredesen plugs in. Do you know what I mean? If I know Bredesen goes down, Izudu will plug in to to, 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 to left guard because I think Bredesen will start. Because um, I don't want to see them keep him off the field as a as an emergency. Like if he's the best, if he's with the best left guard or right guard, play him. Do you know what I mean? If he needs to go to other positions, he'll go to other positions. Um, there's one, one thing I will say is that we have, you know, Tyree Phillips is carrying a little bit of a knock, not the major. He will be back for, for, for when the regular season starts. So I think, you know, he is your swing tackle because as we've seen, uh, Cunningham and Pear just haven't been up to scratch, to be honest. And um, uh, um, Terry Phillips, when he came in last year 
uh, Ford, Evan Neal, no, did well, did well. I wouldn't say he was good, but you know, held his own. So I think, I think you know, you we are relying on him sort of coming in, being fit and healthy, and being able to take the spot on the outside if anyone goes down. Um, but uh, you know, we might have to go to the free agent market at some point throughout the season. That's why we need to keep that sort of buffer. Uh, in the salary cap to be able to pick someone up if, if we need to. But, I mean, if our starting five play to their potential, I think this could be a very good starting five. Need to work out the kinks. Um, but if anything go down, oh, I don't know. I mean, it has been pretty bad for the backup tackles, especially uh, in this preseason. Yeah, that, that's the big worry, isn't it, is those backup tackles. Um, Andrew Thomas was Mr. Consistent last year, was able to to play every game apart from the one that he was sat for. And it was noticeable because every time he played, DJ uh, had enough time to make plays, despite the fact that Evan Neal was struggling on the other side. Now, obviously, Neal's trying, has has said in in interviews this week, you know, he's trying to get out of his his stance quicker. Um, He's really putting some work in and he does, he has looked better. Um, I thought he looked quite good against the Panthers, uh, Neil, in the sort of limited times that he did play. Yeah, outside of that, it's just, it's like, it's like a revolving door in the terms, in, in two ways, you know, the terms of who's going in, but revolving door in the terms of, you know, attackers are just getting straight through. It's just, they might as well just wave them, wave them past. It's, it, it really is a worry. Um, and as we've said, you know, after the cuts at the end, uh, you know, cut days next week, you never know who we might potentially pick up, that there is always the chance that there will be somebody there that, that nobody expected. We, we should have it. But there, w- there was an interesting thing, and I'll throw this back to Shane, but there was an interesting thing that Glowinski played a few snaps at left guard today. And I'm just wondering what potentially you might think the, the thought process is there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it seems to me like uh, either Dave or Kafka or Bobby Johnson or all three of them, it's starting to seem to me that they're kind of, they want a rotational offensive lineman. Like that, I don't think we're going to kind of see this is the starting five, go out every single play, you know, it might be. Chopping and changing quite, and we did see it at times last year when Bredesen was was coming in. I remember in, in particular the Washington game last year. I think he was rotating in for uh, might be Nick Gates. I'm not, I'm not too sure now, but um, you know it, it kind of seems that that's the way that 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 tending to go is rotate rotating the offensive line, and in particular kind of the the two guards, and whether that's because either they can't settle on who they're wanting, or that or whether it's just a case that they really want to see who plays best where. And obviously, this is the time to kind of do it just before the season starts. But it'll be interesting to see and definitely something to monitor once that kind of Dallas game comes up, comes around. And do we just set off for the same two guards continuously or are people going to be rotated in and out? So um, that's the offence, the offensive line. Thank God that's over. Um, right, now I'm going to get on to the, the defence. Obviously, Kev mentioned some of the good stuff the defence did. They also did a few bad things as well. Um, and the, the, the main one was the, the penalties that we gave up. And, you know, the, these were penalties given up by the first team defence, not the, the second or the third. So, you know, there's, there's not much room for error 
going forward with with the first team defense. They need to cut, kind of cut these out. To be honest, um, the very first defensive snap, Dexter Lawrence was a bit too keen lining up offside. Uh, then during the Panthers' second drive, we had Jihad Ward commit an offside penalty. Lawrence with a rough in the passer, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and Adore Jackson with another defensive offside. They also had six missed tackles on the day. Um, with Adore Jackson, Cudell, Flott, Alex Cook, Jason Pink, just to mention some that have kind of been guilty of missing tackles. And the worrying thing tonight is that for Jetta Cook and Zimenez, it was the only tackle they attempted. Now, if you're playing for a roster spot, getting on that field, and you're only making one tackle and you're missing that tackle, it's not going to hold you in good stead going forward, in all honesty. Um, obviously, the Giants were also up 21-3 going into the fourth quarter. However, it became a little bit closer than it needed to be with some poor defensive play by players that really needed to step up again. Uh, one player in particular that was guilty of lapses of concentration was Zion Gilbert. He had two dropped interceptions. One of them you could get forgive as it was fourth down. Briozo gave up a passing touchdown on a 20-yard pass from Jake Lutton. He had a penalty on special teams as well that was pretty unnecessary and it really showed bad awareness on Panthers' rushing touchdown that he could have attempted to stop. Um, you know, these are all mistakes that are going to cost you a, a spot in, in the league. Um, you know, you've got to remember with players like this, they're not just playing for a, a spot in, on a team. They're playing for, you know, their family, the, the, the money at the end of the day to put food on the table. And these are kind of mistakes that they really can't be making, especially if they want to step up into, you know, being even just a rotational player for the for the New York Giants. Um, and then lastly, we'll just took a touch on special teams. Um Jamie Gillen, he unfortunately averaged only 43 yards per punt. Uh, some of his struggles could be attributed to the swirling wet MetLife wind. Um, that's another question, but, you know, he's been here for a year, so he should be fully aware of it, in my opinion. Um, and other punters have been able to do it consistently as well, not just at MetLife, but in more tough conditions in out, out, outdoor grounds, which, you know, not a good sign for Jamie Gillen when questions were asked at the start of the season about kind of giving him a new contract. Um so, you know, is it a concern that our first team defenders have committed so many penalties on such a small snap count, Craig? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last thing you want to give anyone is free yards, regardless of whether it's a, um, you know, a first teamer or a second stringer or a practice squad member who's been called up. It doesn't matter who it is. You don't want to give anyone free yards. And when it's your veterans and they, you know, all the players that, that made the, 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 um, the penalties or gave the penalties away they're all five you know four or five year veterans plus even for someone like jihad ward so i just think they were you know a little antsy weren't they but x on the first one he just he just wanted to go he just wanted to hurt somebody he, the, the the problem you have and, and, and i'm not making i'm not making an excuse but the problem you have is that they can't hit daniel jones they're not allowed to hit daniel jones he just wanted to hit somebody Go on, Kev. Kev, Kev's, Kev's agreeing with me. That, that's what you're going to say, right? 100%. 100%. <laughs> they're just like, they've been out there and they can barely touch their own guys. They get a little bit of a joint practice, you know, with the, the, the Lions last week. You know, but this is the first time the starters are out there. You just want to feel, feel some body, you know, just feel helmet on helmet. Just want to get there. Just like, you know, you know, they, they just, you know, shot out too quickly out of their stance. You know, they're just, you know, excited. You know, it's like, but I'd rather them get the, their system now 
And these are teaching moments. Do you know what I mean? They can go, right, look, on film, what was that? You're smarter than that. You know better than that. I'd rather them do it now because, like you said, you don't want to be giving away free yards. It's hard enough for defense to stop uh, passing and rushing um, attack in this league anyway. So you can't be giving up free yards. So, although I just think it is, they just got a little bit excited. You know, you just saw, you know, saw the QB back there. Just, you know, I want to get there. I want to get after him. And, you know, they just, just a little bit, just a little bit antsy, you know, a little bit quick off the mark. But I think, again, it's something good in the sense that the coaches now can go in the film room. And just give my wee, you know, we slap her in the back of the head and say, come on, you know better. I don't only see this in, in a regular season. Are you in agreement there, Shane, with, with everything that's that's there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know where the, the, the Panthers offensive line, they jump off side. Because if I had Dexter snarling at me, ready to jump like that, I'd, I'd be forced starting all day long. I'd be like, nah, I'm out. Coach, get get me out. I'm, I'm done for this for the, for the day. Um, but yeah, you know, you can kind of understand it. But at the end of the day, you've got to be professional, and you've got to know, you know, you know you're, you're better than that. You, you, you know, I'm not going to mention it much, but like you know, Dexter Lawrence, you've been paid a lot. You you know what to do. Yeah, you have got itchy feet. That's out the system now. So so you know, you don't expect to see kind of. I don't expect to see him play against the, the Jets the weekend. So come that Dallas game, I want him to be on it. Straight off, straight off it as soon as they snap that ball. Nothing before. Let's not give away cheap yards because you know. Let's face facts. We'll we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks' time. But Dallas is a kind of team that will make you that will make you pay if you give them free yards like we did against Carolina on Friday night. So you know you can't do it into the regular season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, we were talking about Dex and his rough in the passer. So I think it's probably time, Shane, for you to kick off the. What the Feagles uh, graphic ready for ready for Kev? What the Feagles? So Kev, Kev, this is your brainchild. So what have you got for me this week? What have you got? <laughs> so the what the Feagles moment in this game has to be Big Sexy Dexy laying his hands on Bryce Young's tiny little helmet. Right. What you can't do is touch the quarterback's helmet in any capacity. Now, again, we're talking about rustiness, talking about eagerness, trying to, you know, you know, get up in and give someone a big hit. The ball was long gone. We know it, it, it was like, you know, maybe it's rustiness. Maybe it was a, you know, Bryce Young first first overall pick. Welcome to the big leagues. I'm sexy Dexy. This is my house. Um but you just can't do things like that, and he should know better. And I think, again, it is a good teaching moment to say, look, you can't do this, lads. You know, And even veterans and, you know, big stars do, you know, can make mistakes like this, but you can't do it. I mean, the rule is there. It's soft because he literally brushed his, he brushed his hands in his face. There was no malice. There was no uh, forcible contact. Um, you know, he just... You know, he just brushed his hand on his helmet, and you just can't do that. I mean, we we do have a video of it. I'm not sure if we play this, whether it's going to mute you or not, Kev. So, um, if we we'll play the video so the so people watching can see what what we mean, um, try and speak over the top of it, and if you can't, then yeah, I mean, like, he just comes through. You know, he penetrates so well as well. Just your ball's gone. Keep your hands down. You've done the the hard work in making him rush the throw. You know, I know you're trying to get your hand in the passing lane. I know you're trying to, to get that in. But when you get near a QB, just pull it back. 
You need the self-control. Self-control. Don't grab the man's helmet. It's his helmet. Leave it alone. <laughs> genuine, but, genuine question here, though. Yeah. Do you think, do you think Dexter's been punished because Royce Young's five foot nine? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's just there, isn't it? It's if, just... that, if that's Josh Allen, he's yeah. probably going to be shoulder. That's it. Yeah, he went after his knee, but you know, he just got his pierce. I, I you know, I get it. Like, I mean, at least if, if it was the Royce Young rule. If, at least if it was Kyler Murray, you would have missed him over the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But like, right? We know it's a, we know it's a we know QBs are overprotective. We overprotective. We know this, right? Because it's a passing league. They're the superstars. That's why they get paid the serious money, and that's why they're so heavily protected. So, basically, two part question for you, Les, is: Do you think the rule is fine, and P players should just know the rule and play to it and leave it, or do you think? You know, it's so soft that it shouldn't really be flagged because there's no intent there, no sort of forcible contact. Do you think, you know, wording should change? You know, to instead of like, you know, touching the the, the the quarterback's helmet to forcible contact on the helmet, you know, if you would, would you want to see that rule change? And if you did, do you think the wording is too ambiguous, too much of a gray area? Like, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Like, you know, Shane, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think it's a really tough one. I mean, I, I hate the, I hate that that was classed as rough in the passer. It, that was not rough in the passer. Don't care what anyone says, but I'll have this, I'll have this debate all night long with anybody. That is not classed as rough in the passer. Rough in the passer to me is grabbing someone and launching them onto the floor and probably jumping on top of them with an elbow drop or something. You know, that was not rough in the passer because if, if you look at it, so Dex makes that play. If his hands don't go up, what's the first thing that Wink's going to say to him? When they review games, hey, why you not? Why you not putting your hand up? You know, defensive linemen are taught if, if if you if you can't win the pass, uh, if you can't win the rush, get the hands up. Try and back the pass down. And, and every every defensive lineman does it, and it's what you expect them to do. Like, I, like, I know jokes and that, but like, you know, Bryce Young's five foot nine. That's not Dexter's fault. Like, it is what it is. At the end of the day, like, you know, if that's another quarterback, if that's you know Josh Allen or. You know, a really tall quarterback. It's probably not going to be hands on the face. It's probably going to be more the, the, the collar area or the or the shoulder. So I, I think it's a really tough one. I get I get what it was called. I hate the terminology, but at the same time, where you know you expect your defensive lineman the pass is going, and you've not you've not won the rush. Get them hands up. Try and bat it down. You got to remember as well for the last few weeks that Dan Jones is six five, I think. So like last few weeks he's been going up against and he definitely is not allowed to touch Daniel Jones's helmet. But um you know, at at that yeah, there you go. Touching the passer. Touching the passer is much better than roughing the passer. Because it's it's just it's just it makes no sense, does it? And I think you could see as well why Dex's reaction, like he knew, didn't he? Like straight away he could see him like look to the heavens and he he, he just knew that there was, it was coming. And it's, I don't think it's as bad as say, you remember his roughing the passer in the playoff game against Kirk Cousins. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, that was, that was a shocker. And it's not worse than that, is it? Like, it's, it, you can't but, change the wording though. It is, it, it does. I think if you open it up to too much interpretation, and we know what these referees are like, the referees are not perfect. If you give them too much interpretation, 
there'll be riots every week because just certain things would get called that shouldn't, certain things would get called that is way over the top. It would just be, you know, you'll get no calls on stuff where he's basically just, as Shane's just put, drop the elbow on him. So, yeah, I don't, I, I can't think the wording is not the problem. It's, it's, it's the rule else. itself. It's the rule it's itself. The rule that- it's the rule itself. As soon as you make contact with the with the QB's face mask helmet, they will call roughing the passer. And I think that comes down to like you know players like Tom Brady getting brushed like that, and penalties given, and other players getting smashed and nothing given. So I think it's come in as a blanket. If your hand touches his helmet, it's it's a roughing the passer call, and it's up to you defenders to to try and not make it happen. It's rubbish, and I don't agree with it. But the rules are there, and you have to try and abide by them. You know what? I wish I'd just gone through him. Like if he's going to give up 15 yards, rather than a brush of a helmet, you might as well have made it worthwhile and just like planted him into the ground. Welcome to the NFL. <laughs> are you half expecting him just a haymaker him straight afterwards? Yeah, you know, <laughs> a spear or, or something like that. Like, you know, welcome to the NFL, rookie. Just get yourself ejected in the in the preseason game. <laughs> right now, um, I know that obviously before we get into any kind of other news, uh, we've had a few questions to come through, uh, Shane. So do we want to just do those now? Now that we finished our Panthers Panthers sort of review. Yeah, so I'll um, I'm just going to go through the questions as that as that kind of come in. To be honest with you, so the first one was off uh, Steve Holt. He said, "Evening, gents. Hope you're all well." Just wondering what one player you're all most excited to watch this year. Kev, I'll let you go first. Go on. Uh, so, do you know what? I'm I'm really excited to see um, Deontay Banks. He's billed as a starting caliber number one, you know, team corner in this league. Um, he's got all the attributes. He will get burnt. He will have rookie moments. He might hit the rookie wall. But I'm very, I'm very interested to see, you know, um, is he, as we say, as advertised, and will he be our like lockdown corner for 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 many years to come? Is it too obvious to just say Darren Waller, like just to just seeing him in the two preseason or in the preseason game and all the camp stuff after having Evan Engram and the you know another revolving door of Ricky Shields Jones and other others that I just forget about. Even before Engram, we haven't really had anyone amazing. So I mean just to just to have Darren Waller as that side kind of number one, I just don't think you could see past him. Um Shane. Yeah, I mean to be honest, I was I was tempted to go for the obvious one and go for Kayvon Thibodeau, but I'm actually gonna go for his edge partner Aziz Ojolari. Um, you know, his rookie year, he played 17 games, had eight sacks and one forced fumble. He had an injury hit year last year, and he still had five and a half sacks and three forced fumbles in just seven games. So, you know, if he's if he's fit and healthy this year, I really, I'm really excited to watch him and see what he can do. And I, I really think that I think him and Tibbs, like I said before, are going to pull up double digit sacks. But I think I think Aziz Ojolari could be one of these really underrated edge players that kind of, you know, produces every time they're on the field, just doesn't get the, the love and the appreciation that he deserves. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go for Aziz, hoping that he's fit and healthy this year. Love it. Next question we've got, um, this is just going to be... A, yeah. Just on that one player, Dan 
uh, has is obviously working really hard at the moment. Um, <laughs> but has put uh, Jalen Hyatt is his his one to um, his one to watch. Uh, and Javi earlier who commented has put JMS for him. So um, you know it, it seems like we're all across a bit of a smorgasbord. But um, go on, Shane. The next one I'm, I can stay quiet on because I know it's not even directed at me. So. Yeah, this is one just specifically for Kev. Uh, so Sam Toppins just commented saying, slightly off topic, but Kev, what are your plans for the Notre Dame game this weekend in Dubs? Hashtag Golden Domers. Golden Domers, get in. Yes, Sam. How are you doing, mate? Um, yeah, so very excited this weekend. You know, Notre Dame Fighting Irish are coming over to play the Navy Midshipmen in Dublin, Aviva Stadium, 7.30. Uh, it's on Sky Sports, uh, if anyone wants to watch it. Um, you know, begin the season week zero. Yes, they have a week zero in college football. Um, yeah, so they're coming over. Last time they were over was 2012. I was at that game too. Uh, but this week specifically, you know, flying in Friday afternoon, Notre Dame uh, are playing Navy in rugby um, in Trinity College at 4 p.m. on Friday. So me and the boys are going to check in and go and have a few beers and watch the rugby. Uh, and then we are having a few beers in about town on Friday night. On Saturday, we have no plans yet. I'm hoping that I've got some tickets to a tailgate, but I'm waiting to hear back for that. Um, otherwise, we will go into Buskers. Buskers in Temple Bar is where we'll be Saturday during the day before heading up the game in the evening. Um, and then Sunday, we'll be just relaxing and stuff, hitting a few bars again around London and uh, soaking up the atmosphere, talking to loads of Americans, because there's a plan to be 40,000 Americans coming over for this game. They reckon it's the most Americans at a sporting event outside of the U.S. ever. So um, just, yeah, meeting loads of people whose great-great-granddaddies are from somewhere obscure in Ireland and uh, just mingle with everyone and have the crack and just, like, hopefully see a Notre Dame win. Uh, Marcus Freeman's a phenomenal coach, and I expect really big things from him. You know, go Sam Hartman this year as a QB. Uh, he's played five years at Wake Forest, believe it or not. He made his debut in 2018, so he's on the older side. But uh, he could be one to watch out for the he a sneaky Heisman, and he watch out from the draft next year. So uh, busy, busy weekend. You'll see me. I'll be walking around, obviously, in a Notre Dame cowboy hat because that's what I do. Um, but it should be a really, really good weekend. So anyone hit me up. I'll be taking lots of photos. I'll be posting them out. So get these producers to produce retweets and stuff and you'll be able to see me out and about town in Dublin. Yeah, we'll make sure we check in with Kev a few times over the weekend and kind of retweet anything we can or if anyone DMs us or asks us, we'll try and give uh, as accurate information as we have. Um, was there one more? Shane, yeah, or was it just say, two? Um, just before we move on to the next question, Kev, um, take it you've got no issues if Sam gets in touch with you about meeting up for a beer. Um, what's your Twitter handle for him? Uh, so, so Sam slid into my DMs a while ago, don't worry. Ah, sweet. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so next question we've got, uh, Keith Faulkner. Uh, evening, Keith. Uh, with cuts coming up, which slot wide receivers do you think will carry one or two of Shep? Crowder or Beasley? Hot damn. Um, That's a hard question. Beasley almost looks a lock, doesn't he? But Crowder has performed well, and Shep's obviously still on, on the way back. Um, I think we carry, we carry two, and it's Shep and Beasley. But I do worry for Shep if we only carry one. I think um, I think Shep, 
if fit, will make the team. He's shown he's shown in camp that he is fast enough, quick enough in and out of his breaks. Uh, can still get open. Uh, can still catch the ball. So it's all about fitness for him. Um, Beasley's come in to show to be a savvy vet. You know, he's kind of like I really poo-pooed that um, signing, and I wasn't for it at all. And he's proven me wrong, and I'm happy to say I'm wrong when I'm wrong, lads. But he's come in, he's shown shiftiness, um, being able, again, being able to get open and stuff, and just being a really solid. I mean, like um, the other night, you know, Tyro, uh, sorry, the first game, um, Tommy DeVito, like hit him multiple times on his first drive, you know, and he was a safety blanket for Tommy. Um, Crowder, I, I think he's done well, but I don't think he's done enough. So if you were to say to me, Two, I'd say Shep and Beasley. If it was just one, I don't know. Look out for something like, right? I'm not going to throw the dart here. Look out for Beasley making it and Shep maybe sort of like going on the practice squad as a veteran on the practice squad, maybe something like that. Um, But I would love to see Shep. I want nothing more to see Shep on the field making catches. I mean, look, last year, the Tennessee game, he caught that, oh, I don't know how many yards it was, just to really ignite kind of our season, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it's, um, I think it's going to be Shep and Beasley. Um, I, I didn't mind the Beasley signing at the time, just for the simple reason. I looked at it as we wouldn't give him that contract if there wasn't, I'm not going to say a guarantee he'd make the roster, but there wasn't a look. You show up, you're fit, you're, you're um, 100% healthy, and you're good to go. You're more than likely going to make the roster. But I also don't think Beasley's the type of player that he's professional at the end of the day. He's been around a little bit, he's a veteran, and I think he would have kept himself in decent condition. And that's one of the reasons why I think he's going to be a lock in for it. And, you know, I, I know there was talk of the deal potentially happening last year. And I was, I was listening to someone a few weeks ago who was saying, that, that, that kind of spoke to Beasley and the money just wasn't quite right last year. And I think he had the chance to get to Tampa and um, then I think he'd end up back at Buffalo at the very end of the season as well. And it was kind of more of an opportunity to win a, a Super Bowl. But that spoke to Beasley and he kind of said, look, he had a little bit of regret that he wasn't able to come here last year. So I think when he got that phone call, I think he kind of had a, a, a bit of a mindset of, I'm going there. I'm going to do what I probably should have done last year. It's a system he's familiar with. He knows Dable. Um and I fully expect him to make the team. Shep's a different one. He's a sort of player who, I feel like, I feel like for the last three years, I've said I'd let Shep go. But then he comes back, performs to a point where you're like, we we can't just cut him. We, we can't cut him. And I, I, I personally think if he goes on a practice squad, I think another team will take a chance on him. Now, the only other caveat I could kind of see is maybe he transitions from a player into a coach type of role potentially going forward um you know he's, he's loved at the new york giants by the front office by the fans by his teammates you know you know i've not been in a, a giants fan for as long as you guys but you know when you when you say new york giants one of the first players i think of is chef because he's been mr consistent mr loyal uh mr reliable so i think crowd i've got nothing to say about he's he's going to be gone um so it's chef uh, chef and beasley but if i had to pick the one it would be beasley um, and just on that, Keith obviously asked the question. Um, he reckons Crowd is the odd man out as well. And then uh usual hostess with the most tests, he's still tuned in. Um, and he's gone for Shep and Beasley too. 
Don't forget week one, Beasley revenge game. Mm, 100%. 150 yards, three touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> right, so with all the questions done, uh, Shane, do you want to give us a roundup of any news that has happened this week? Yes, so the only other notable news that's happened that we've not covered already is um, we, unsurprisingly, in my opinion, Radarius Williams was released on Saturday. Um, he was a healthy scratch for the game against the Panthers. Uh, Williams was the only Giants cornerback to record an interception last season. Yes, you heard that correct. He was the only cornerback to record an interception last season. Um, he was drafted in 2021 and he did show kind of early promise, um, but he, he then suffered an ACL tear in week five, which ended his rookie season. Since then, he's barely been available. Obviously, with the arrival, we've had of Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins this off-season during the draft. He slid down the depth chart. Um, and obviously, he was also a healthy scratch at times last year after having a falling out stroke, voicing his displeasure about not playing, um, which, you know, some, someone like Quint Martin, that's never going to end too well either. Um, but he has since signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, and... I'd forgot to play that whilst I was talking. <laughs> um, so, Kev, any surprise here for you? Not really. I mean, I mean, not really. He flashed a bit in his rookie season. He struggled with a little bit of injuries. He's on the older side. I think he was a 25-year-old rookie when he came out. He's, what, 26, 27 now. Um, a previous regime draft pick. Always, always on the cusp. Um, I didn't think he'd make the 53-man squad anyway. Um, you know, opens up a roster spot in the team. Um yeah, not much to say, to be honest. Yeah, pretty much the same. You know, um, it's a surprise to nobody. I haven't heard much of him in, in camp in in the preseason game one. Obviously, healthy scratch for two. I think as soon as anyone could see, oh, healthy scratch preseason game two, there was not a chance that he wasn't gone. Um, and I think that everyone assumed that. And that was why Dabes was asked the question on Saturday morning after the game, like, you know, what's happened with Rodarius? It's like, oh, yeah, he's gone. Like, there wasn't really anything to it, was there? There was no, like, big hoo-ha. It was just kind of like, yeah, he's he's done. And that's it. So, no, no surprises. I think as well, just to just to mention, because we praise him quite a lot, but again, the front office did really well with that because they could have easily kept Rodarius and cut him on cut day, whereas now instead they've cut him and he's got a chance to go maybe perform for Tampa in their third game. So, you know, although it's, although it's a business at the end of the day, I, th I think it shows a little bit of class yet again by Joe Shane and Brian Dable by giving him the opportunity to be cut now and still potentially go ahead and, and win a, a job elsewhere. Yeah, point didn't think of it like that. So, um, unfortunately, that, that's it for this week. Um, however, we will be back next week to do a quick review of the final preseason game against our noisy neighbours in the Jets, uh, now led by Aaron Rodgers, who apparently is going to play a couple of drives. So we'll, we'll see what happens after Dex hits him once and see if they still want to keep him out there. Um, and then after that, we'll look at the cut day levers, as cut day will be the day before next week's pod. Um the roster will be trimmed from 90 players to just 53. So that will be interesting to see who's made it, um, see if there's any surprise cuts uh, and see if there's any surprise signings because that's always a possibility as well. Um, Shane, Kev, anything to add before we disappear? No, you know, just looking forward to kind of watching the, the, the final pre-season game. Uh, really, real last chance really for some players to kind of 
make a stake for their um, their, their place on the 53. Looking forward to the next week's pod, but obviously getting closer to that week one game against Dallas. Um, if you didn't already know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a meet-up on that Sunday night. Um, we'll, we'll be tweeting out details, etc. but it's in Birmingham. So if any people are close to the, the Midlands or... You know, you, maybe you live far away and you've always thought Birmingham's a wonderful place that I'd like to visit. don't know why, but fair <laughs> enough. Um, that's your opportunity to, you can join myself, Craig and, and Dan. We're all going to be there. Um, I've confirmed that I will be in attendance now. Kev's watching it in Gla- um, Glasgow, Kev? Yeah, was that the Giants, uh, Giants-Cowboys game? Yeah. Yep, that's the 12th of November, 9.25 game on Sky Sports. Walkabout in Glasgow. Um, I'll be there with um, a Giants fan, Cowboys fan, the Patriots fan. So, uh, is there a joke there? No, <laughs> you think so? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, you'll obviously see me and spot me and hear me probably. So yeah, just come along, have a few beers, it'll be class. Cool. Anything else to add, Kev, for you? Um, no, just that uh, you know, looking forward to next week, seeing sort of the 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 core of the roster when we get down to fifty three. Now, obviously, when we talk about the 53, there will obviously be some sort of moves after the podcast, as, you know, undoubtedly there will be. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, like I said, looking forward to getting over to see Notre Dame this weekend. Looking forward to getting on the podcast for you boys next week. And um, it's just uh, that little bit closer to Giants regular season football. Yes, it is. Uh, as always, just remember to like this video, subscribe to us on YouTube if you're not already. You can also hit the bell to be notified of when we're live or if we drop anything that's a bit out of the ordinary. Uh, if you aren't already, then follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can see all of those at the bottom if you're watching, or you can just search Big Blue UK IRL and you will be able to find us. Um, as part of the intro, we are all part of the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook group, so you can always find us there. And we are part of the Full 10 Yards group. As Shane rightly said, we will be in Birmingham at Felsons week one to watch pretty much anything and everything that is football from the first game all the way through to the evening game. Uh, you need to get a ticket for the event. So if you go on to full10yards.co.uk forward slash kickoff, that should redirect you to be able to buy your free tickets. Or you can um, pay a little bit extra and get some drink deals while you're there. Um, the venue has said that there needs to be a specific amount of people still there in the evening for the Giants game. However, we have a contingency plan to go to a casino if that's not available. So if you are attending, please make sure you bring ID because we would hate for you to miss out on going to the casino if that is where it comes down to. And as Kev um, has sorted us out for, there is a week seven meetup in London at the Sports Bar and Grill in Marylebone on the 22nd of October. We'll be watching the designated legacy game against the Washington Commanders. And finally, just remember, we are now partners with Andy's Man Club it's okay to talk. Look out for the hashtag. It's okay to talk on Twitter or visit www.andysmanclub.com. My thanks, as ever, go to Kev and to Shane to join me. All of you watching and listening, we are signing off until next time.